Joshua 24, verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. And then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in its midst. And afterwards I brought you out. When I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your ancestors with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Afterwards, you lived in the wilderness a long time. And then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I handed them over to you, and you took possession of their land. I destroyed them from before you. Then King Balak, son of Zippor of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent and invited Balaam, son of Baor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam, and therefore he blessed you. So I rescued you out of his hand. When you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I handed them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove out before you the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, towns which you had not built, and you live in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards that you did not plant. Now therefore revere the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us up and our ancestors from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went, among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, the Amorites who live in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. He took a large stone and set it up there under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, See, this stone shall be a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away to their inheritances. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hmm. Your Honor, 
Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I may be just a simple country lawyer, but I believe I have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is but one God. His name is Yahweh, and that y'all should serve him. This is the end of an episode of Law and Order. Right? There's closing arguments, and you've seen the whole thing, and the ending is always the same. The trial is over, the evidence has been presented, and now you just have to make a choice. And the choice seems really obvious. But it's always really obvious when you're watching something and not actually involved in it, or when you're reading something and not actually involved in it. The problem is that Christianity is not a spectator sport. We don't just sit and go, huh, yeah, these guys should really make that choice. We're invited into this story, invited to make the same choice. And Francis Chan, in that extremely convicting video, reminds us that we are making that choice already, that we make it in little ways, we make it in big ways all the time. It's not just something we choose Jesus once, and then for the rest of our lives, we're good. There's, there's a level of continuing to re-engage who God is, continuing to respond to who this God is and not wandering away from him. So you have to choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know. I think it might help us to pay attention to the case Joshua makes here one more time, to listen to the evidence one more time. Because these people have already heard it again and again and again, and still he repeats himself. So he lines the people up at Shechem in verse 1. They're, uh, it's sort of like a military inspection. If you've ever seen a drill sergeant in the movies, kind of looking at people. Military inspection. These people are standing up there, and it's not clear if these are just old soldiers or the families of the soldiers as well, if little kids are there picking their noses and moms are shushing people while Joshua's trying to get their attention. But the fearless leader of Israel, this wizened old general, has come to address his troops, 110 years old. And I picture him sort of stooped with a cane and just sort of muttering to himself like a good, terrifying old man would, and bent with a long, silvery beard and just sort of pacing. Long ago, your ancestors, Terah, Abraham, and Nahor, they served other gods beyond the, they served other gods beyond the river. Four score and seven years ago, our ancestors. This is a Gettysburg moment for Joshua. Talking to his troops one last time, and people are listening to the old general who has led them through battle after battle after battle. Do you remember, he says, do you remember how this all got started? How Israel all got started? There was a guy named Abraham who looked at his family, looked at his father and his brother and said, I'm not going to participate in the cycles and patterns of our family. I'm not, I'm not going to do what we have always done. I'm not going to let that determine my future or my faith or my life today. I'm, I'm going to break out of these cycles. He looked at the people around him, his community, his neighbors, his friends, people he'd known since he was a kid, and he said, I don't care about the things you care about. I'm not going to value the things that you find valuable. I'm not looking for success the way that you are looking for success. And Abraham said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go a completely different direction. I'm going in a completely different path. He left his country and his kindred and his father's house, and he went somewhere else. And there's this moment in the Bible, in Genesis 12, where he's standing under a tree in a place called Shechem. And he's talking to God, and God has made promises to Abraham. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And Abraham is in, all in. And God does bless Abraham. He does. He makes good on his promises. He, he gives him Isaac, and to Isaac he gives Jacob and Esau, and to Esau he gives the countryside. And 
this moment where Jacob is standing under a tree in a place called Shechem, the same tree, and he's talking to his family, and he's got these 12 sons and all of their wives and all of their children, and they're standing there, and God speaks powerfully to Jacob and says, put away the foreign gods from among you. Genesis 35. And everybody starts emptying their pockets of gold and silver. All the things that human beings always trust, the things that we always believe will give us safety and security and success. They empty their pockets, they bury it in the ground under this old oak tree at Shechem. And they wander down into Egypt and life is good for a while and life is bad for a while and God shows up and delivers them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. They walk through the sea on dry land. It's incredible what God does. And you would think the people would serve the Lord, but they don't. They go wandering the opposite direction because of some of the people mentioned in that story. They serve other gods. They trust other means of safety and security and things go really, really badly for them. But when people are faithless, God is faithful. When people sin, God is faithful. When people do not listen to what the Lord wants them to do, God still is faithful. And so God has been preparing this land for these people all these years, and all of a sudden he lets these folks, listening to Joshua, into the land. And there was not an enemy we did not defeat, he says. There was no obstacle so great we couldn't overcome it, not because we're so strong, but because God demolished obstacles in our path. Nothing so dangerous, nothing so powerful that it could actually enslave us. God sent bees in front of us, which I think is one of the funniest things, and that he sent the hornet out to destroy our enemies. They think there's a, maybe a play on words there in Hebrew that maybe this is actually the word for terror, that our enemies were scared of us before we even arrived, and we're not that scary. It's that God is on our side. God is conquering for us, and we are unstoppable as long as we follow him. We are strong and courageous as long as we follow him. So choose, he says. Choose this day whom you will serve. Which sounds like a really insulting thing to say to a group of veterans. Right? If you're standing to a, a group of people who've been in Iraq and who've been fighting for the United States and for freedom and all sorts of things, and then you look at them and say, so do you guys really care about freedom of the United States? Like, are you really in? That, that's an insulting thing to say. These people have put their bodies on the line, they've put their lives on the line. They're, they're all in. And Joshua is the only one I think who can get away with this. You guys, are you really, really going to serve the God of Israel? And I think, since chapter 1, we've been serving the God of Israel. We've been fighting for the God of Israel. We've lost people we love and we care about because we serve this God. We're in. And he says, I don't know that you understand what I'm asking. We have arrived. We've gotten the land. We've conquered all of our enemies. It's over, you would think. Now we get to just enjoy the blessings. We get to just live in what God has given us. But Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. God has brought us into this land that we might be a light to the nations, that we might continue to follow God. It's not that we followed God and now it's over and we've gotten everything we want. It's that we continue to follow God even in this land, even now. So this isn't over. This is just beginning. Choose today. Do you want to serve him? And there's something I've shown some of you before. And so this is going to be repetition for you, but I think this is worth doing every time because it's a helpful way of understanding the Bible. I've stolen the seed of this idea from a guy named uh, Chris, who's a scholar. Basically, in the beginning, God makes human beings and creation. The basic idea, as long as human beings relate to God well, they relate to creation well, as long as they relate to one another well, the system is perfect and life will be amazing. But pretty quickly, that breaks down in the very beginning of the Bible, and nothing really works. And so God, well, God wants to redeem the world. 
and create a new heaven and a new earth, a new human being, um, and a redeemed creation. And to accomplish that, God chooses somebody from within this broken humanity. A guy named Abraham and his kids, Israel. And he gives these people the land by the end of the book of Joshua. And as long as Israel relates to itself well, and relates to the land well, and as long as Israel relates to God well, they will be a light to the nations. They will be blessed in order to be a blessing. People will know that there is a real God as long as this works. And there are whole books of the Bible dedicated to this working. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, a whole bunch of different books, the prophets. And when it works, it works beautifully. And people do know that there is a God in Israel. But pretty quickly, this breaks down, unsurprisingly, because humanity is just a little bit too broken. And so God, who has exactly the same plan, continues, uh, but chooses a guy named Jesus. And in Jesus, we see God who relates to God perfectly, and God who relates to humanity perfectly, and God who relates to his kingdom perfectly, uh, the kingdom of God. And anyone who follows Jesus, and who relates to human beings well, and who starts talking to this broken humanity well, starts relating to this new creation really well, living in the here and now as though God is actually up to something, can actually be a light to the nations, is blessed to be a blessing. So you and I have been invited into this story as the church to be people who start pointing our way to a different kind of humanity and pointing our way to a different kind of creation. So at the end of the book of Joshua, we see this story finally, finally giving the people what they've always been looking for. They finally received the grace of God in this real and tangible way. They have home, they have safety, and they have security. And one of the things that Joshua was pointing out to them is that when you have everything you want, you have no reason to follow God anymore. You will begin to believe that this land is all that you need. You will begin to believe that safety and security is all that you need. And so he looks at these people and says, you have a real choice today, a real choice. Choose. Who do you want to follow? Do you want to follow the old gods that our family used to serve beyond the river? Do you want to serve the gods of Egypt? Do you want to serve the gods of this land? Do you want to worship this land the way they worship this land? The trees and the rocks? Or do you want to follow God? As for me and my house, he says, as for me and my house, we choose the Lord. But you have a real choice. And you and I absolutely know that there are gods around us. The Bible would tell you that just about anything that a person can place value and significance in can become a god. Something you can bow down to and trust. Anything that gives you meaning and significance can become a god. And we say, well, I mean, it's not that I'm bowing down in some pagan temple somewhere. It's just, well, she got pregnant, and so she's really busy right now. Or he got a new job, and he's really, you know, things are, he's got other priorities right now. Or I'm just a little focused on my career right now. Or I'm focused on getting out of debt right now. Or I'm focused on getting healthy right now. Or, or on my family right now. Or on my kids right now. And the more you focus on those things, the more you are not focused on the ultimate thing. And that's what Francis Chan is talking about. It's a slow, steady slide slow, steady slide into being self-absorbed. Well, just for a little bit, I'm going to focus on this. And then that never ends. Well, it's just we're a new couple right now, and then we're newly married right now, and we have a new kid right now, and now our kids are older, so it takes a lot more time and effort and energy. And Jess and I, were, uh, we were invited to this group on um, Friday night. It's, uh, it's called Safe Families. And the idea of this um, kind of nonprofit organization is they keep kids out of the foster care system. And it's a really cool organization. Basically, there are moments when a family is just right on the line, and if somebody could come alongside them, 
it would stop a lot of the terrible things from happening that lead kids getting well, into the system. And so if some families would come along and watch a kid for a couple of days while somebody gets a job or you give somebody a ride to work for a few days or can take care of a kid for a few months while somebody gets their life back together and solves some things, kids don't end up in the system and, and good news makes its way out into our city. It's a really cool thing that they do. But you're also talking about people who've been a little irresponsible and who are being irresponsible with their children. And so you're also being invited into a really messy situation. It's going to be hard and it's going to cost you something. You're going to feed kids and clothe kids and maybe you've got your own kids. It's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so we all sat there, everybody in the room, there's a lot of people, and we're listening to this presentation thinking, this is amazing. These people are amazing. They brought people with them. These people are amazing. One woman has four kids, is watching a special needs kid now for months didn't realize that she would end up with a special needs kid. And there is a ton of work. She's navigating this whole system, trying to solve problems with the government for this 18-year-old mom that she's helped. Amazing human beings. And we all walked out of there going, those people are amazing. Man, I'm not sure I can do that, though. Right? The whole thing was about you and me being invited into this, that we, we could be these kinds of people if we were really get, willing to give up a little time and energy and effort. And we thought, well, yeah, but like, that's going to take me time and energy and effort. And I, you know, it's going to be a lot of work for my family. And, and I've been talking to people on the back end of it who all love the idea, but not actually the, the reality of getting invested, involved, and getting a little bit messy, of really serving. But I watch that video and I think, but if we took some risks, what would my kid learn? Hmm. What would my kid learn about Jesus and about the kingdom? What would I point to? And the truth is, I'm a really broken person. And the truth is, I'm a really self-absorbed person. And I know this. But I want to choose Jesus. I do. I really want to choose Jesus. And I really do want to point in the direction of God's kingdom. And I'm not sure this is for us but I know I'm called to do more than I'm doing. I know I'm not called to be some middle-class guy living a middle-class life who's a little religious sometimes when I feel like it, who follows Jesus a little bit sometimes when I feel like it. But it actually has to change our lives. It actually has to change the way we deal with the world. If we really want to be a light to the nations, if we really want to be blessed so that we can be a blessing, if we really want to enjoy what God has for us, there's more to it than just saying, cool, I'm going to go live where I live and be happy. We're called to serve. There's this word that keeps popping up over and over and over again in this passage of Scripture. Choose whom you will serve. Everybody serves a God. Everybody serves the most important thing in their life. You are bowing down to something. It might be the American dream. It might be an addiction. It might be something good. It might be something bad. But there is something that you are bowing down to, something you have chosen. And Joshua is here saying, that's fine. People make that choice. But I'm telling you, today, you can make a different choice. Today, you can choose whom you will serve. Me, my house, we serve the Lord. This little old man, this dangerous general, is challenging these people in a powerful and profound way. And they say, yeah, we want that too. Like, we're in. We, we will, the Lord is our God. Him we will serve. And Joshua's immediate response to that is shenanigans. There is no way. Like, we choose the Lord. No, you don't lies. I've never seen a Christian pastor do that. I've never seen an evangelist do that. I really want you guys to follow Jesus and be baptized. It's easy, we say. That's what we say. It's easy. 
And Joshua was saying, this is not easy. Do not make this decision quickly. Choose this day whom you will serve. And he challenges these people to really make sure they know what they're saying. I had these friends in seminary who were pastors in Eastern Europe, and they grew up under communism, right? And we would talk about life and ministry and, and kind of how you ended up in things. And they said, well, my pastor, when I was growing up, he would, you know, we would do the baptism thing and we would talk about life and, and things like that. And people would come forward. I came forward more than once. But when you would come forward to hear about baptism, he'd say, are you sure you want to do this? I'm not sure you want to do this. It's going to be really hard. Because in our church, we have people from the secret police. They are listening. They are paying attention. They're taking down names. If you do this, tomorrow your name will be on a list. You may never get promoted, ever. You may never get a job, ever. People you love, your family, may stop talking to you because they don't want to be associated with that. They are afraid that maybe they, too, will get put on a list. They are afraid that maybe their friends will get put on a list. Be careful. Be careful what you're doing. And so they show up once, and they show up again, and they show up again. But by the time people finally decide to be baptized, by the time we finally make this choice, we're in. We're all in. And I listened to that and thought, I'm pretty sure it would like there were no requirements for baptism. I think I just stumbled in to this amazing adventure of following Jesus. And I think there's some good to that, that there was no barrier to entry for me. But I think it misled me badly in terms of what it means to really follow Jesus. Joshua wants people to really understand what it means to follow this God. You are making a real commitment this day to continue to serve him in little ways and in big ways. Choose, he says. And they go, we choose. He says, no, you don't. Yes, we do. No, we don't. No, he's our God. Your witnesses. I heard you say it. You heard you say it. And they go, yeah, we, the rock heard you say it. This rock is here. That rock is listening. And this is one of the weirder moments. The rock heard you. The rock will be here. I'm going to die, but the rock will be here forever. And the rock heard all these words, and there will come a day. You'll look at that rock and be like, hmm, I said that. Then the rock heard me. The rock is judging me right now. It's a spectacular and weird moment in the midst of the story. But there's a real sense in which he's holding them accountable to this crazy thing. And I don't think what he's saying is don't follow God. Don't make this choice today. He's making it hard. And he knows that he's about to die. And these are his last words. He's 110 years old. And he's using this moment, this sort of eulogy moment, to get people involved and invested because they're paying attention maybe like they'd never ordinarily pay attention. I was at a funeral yesterday, and friends were talking about this guy's life and, and what he'd done. And the pastor would, did a just terrible job talking about hope and Jesus and why we believe what we believe and, and that there is really something meaningful and powerful beyond death, that we... We cling to Jesus, and it changes everything about life now and life later. Really did not do a great job. And then at the very end of the service, my friend who'd lost his father is the one standing up and speaking, and I think he kind of sensed that this, it hadn't quite gone the way it was supposed to go. And so he starts talking about his dad and talking about Jesus and saying, look, it's, we've got a choice. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got a choice to do life with Jesus or without Jesus. And life with Jesus means that death is not the end. The death is actually the entry into something even better and more amazing. That's the choice we've got before us today. And because we're at a funeral, everybody listens. Because Joshua is old and about to die, everybody listens. He is leveraging this moment so that people will pay attention. Choose, he says, right now. Everything hangs in the balance. And I think Joshua really is serious that you can do this. But I think he's also right that our God is a holy God and a jealous God. You can't serve him, he says. Holy in, in this is a very good translation, but another way of saying that would be that our God is one of a kind. He is unique. 
There is no God like our God. He is holy and unique and different. Another translation for the word jealous there would be passionate. Our God is passionate. He cares about you far too much to let you screw around with your life, far too much to let you sin and just treat it like it's nothing. Our God cares deeply about you. He is far too passionate to just let stuff like this slide. And so I think Joshua is giving us a challenge, but I think he's also telling the truth that it is really hard to serve the Lord. And on a regular basis, I find myself crying out to God and going, I don't think I've made a really good choice. Or I think today I chose another God, a God that I know you've already beaten or defeated, a God who I know offers me nothing but empty promises. And the beautiful thing about God is he hears that. The Joshua, I think, is right, but Joshua also does not yet know Jesus. And the Bible points forward to a moment where there's a completely different relationship between God and humanity that takes place in Jesus. Because in Jesus, wrongs get righted. In Jesus, our failures are fixed. In Jesus, we find that even when we're faithless, God is always faithful. And that means making us faithful somehow, giving it to us as a gift. I was uh, gardening the other day and spraying some plants, and I got one with weed killer, and oh no. And so I'd start cutting off chunks of it to try and save the plants because I poisoned it. And I end up cutting my own thumb with a pocket knife, which is really hard to do when you're holding the pocket knife in the same hand. So I do this, and it's just, it's, ah, you know, and and I'm looking. My wife gave me a Charlie Brown Band-Aid, by the way. Charlie Brown in space, so that's, it's just adorable. And so I'm looking, and I cut my thumb, and it's bleeding, and I just sort of go back to what I'm doing, you know, and kind of spit out the poison that's probably in my own thumb now. Um, a little bit later on, I realized my hand is very bloody, and oh, that's actually bleeding a lot more than I thought. I'm suck on my thumb again, go back to work, and my sister-in-law starts making fun of me. Like, I'm a man, I can't put a Band-Aid on my own thumb. Yeah, that's true. And so I suck the blood out again. It just keeps bleeding and bleeding. There's this kind of an infinite amount of blood that just sort of wells up. And I think that's a really good picture of the gospel, uh, that you and I right, are told that we must choose. And most of the time, we choose Jesus, or some of the time, we choose Jesus, or one time long ago, we chose Jesus, and Ever since then, we've been making bad choices. But today, we are offered that choice again. And today, the blood of Jesus is here again and can cover us again. It wells up infinitely, constantly making us clean, constantly offering us a different way of life. So the question today is, who will you choose? Which God? Everybody picks a God. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord and Father, I pray that that would be true, that I would actually be able to say that along with Joshua. And I pray that that would be true for us as a family, that this house, this church, would actually choose the Lord every day, and that we would be blown away by what you do, by how you change lives, when people are really all in, when we're really willing to take risks, when you're actually our top priority. But it's hard, God. And so I pray, I pray in this moment that you would give us the grace to know that we can do it if we follow you. That you would put your arm around us the way you love to do in Jesus. That you would guide us into a new way of doing life. That we would choose you the way you've already chosen us. In the name of Jesus.